0: I had a bit of a flashback this week to something that happened probably about 13 years ago. It was when Charlie and I started our dating relationship. One of the first occasions that I went over to his family house, we were already being family friends, so I'd been there before, but I went over in the capacity now of being Charlie's girlfriend. And one of the the first times I went over, I forgot that his family has a shoes-off rule and I walked into the door. The door's always open at his house. Um, I won't tell you the address. Um, but I walked in the door. I had shoes on and I went straight up the stairs and went to find where Charlie was in the house. And then I got into his room and I'm like, oh, my goodness, i just realised I've worn my shoes. I've got to go downstairs and take them off. And I felt so embarrassed and I was kind of looking around like which of his brothers was looking and seeing, you know, because they are all in very close proximity, living you know, four brothers, four rooms and I thought, oh my goodness I've broken this really important cultural rule in his family to, to walk in the house and wear my shoes and so of course I took them off and all was well Had another flashback this week to a time when we first lived in Vancouver in Canada um, this is probably about eight years ago and we became friends um, soon after we landed in Vancouver and started uh, started my theology, Charlie started working in Vancouver, we became friends with a couple from Texas and um, we became friends, we started hanging out and um, hanging out at each other's houses, having dinner or whatever and on about the second or third occasion we went to say goodbye to this couple. And I still knew to Vancouver life and, and the customs of um, Canada and the customs of all of these different um, nationalities, you know, we were friends with people from all kinds of places around the world. The school that I studied at, there was people from all all over. And went to Luke, um, who was, you know, our friend, and went over to him and went to give him a kiss on the cheek to say goodbye. And I quickly realised, by the look on his face... He was not expecting this at all. This was not normal from where they've come from, or from what it's like in Texas. And so we had this awkward exchange where I sort of went in to sort of affectionately say goodbye, as we do in Melbourne, right? And quickly pulled back, realising, ah, uh, uh, this is not what you do in Texas. <laughs> and had an embarrassed moment of explaining, oh, sorry, Luke, uh, what we do in Australia when we become friends with others um, who are our age is we say goodbye or hello with a kiss on the cheek. And they explained to us that in Texas, they definitely don't do that. <laughs> so I'd broken a cultural rule for them of, of you know, what was normal, what was, what was known to be the way things are. Um, In our passage today, um, in actually a lot of a bigger way, what had happened was um, was that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, came to Jesus and they were concerned because Jesus' disciples, in their view, had broken, had been breaking a cultural rule. I'm sure that as I tell those stories, you can think in your own experience of times when you've been the one who's broken the cultural rule. A um, number of different people in our church um, who are from different places around the world. There's so many opportunities, isn't there, when you move countries to, to make those, oh oh no, you know, those mistakes where you feel embarrassed. But in our passage today, the conflict that ensues and and the kind of tension in our story is is palpable. And it's way more than in the scenarios that I described, um, both at Charlie's house and with our friends from Texas. Because religious leaders have gotten wind that some of the disciples aren't following this Jewish practice. And it was a practice of hand-washing in a very specific way. Um, You were to wash your hands with cupped hands, water going over your cupped hands, and it was always to be done before eating. And so this huge controversy arose because the Pharisees um, come to Jesus and say, your disciples aren't towing the line. They're not practicing this tradition of Judaism, which is embedded in Jewish culture. Um, And the religious leaders come criticising Jesus. Um, Thankfully, in my two scenarios, I didn't really feel chastised at all. But that's what happens in this scripture in Mark 7. Um, And it's super awkward and, and super controversial the way that Jesus responds. Because he quotes from Isaiah, and these Jewish leaders would have known this scripture back to front. And he says this. Can you imagine how awkward it would have been to be an onlooker in this moment? Jesus' reply um, is is a quote from Isaiah. And Jesus says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about your hypocrites. Can you imagine being there, how awkward it would have been? As it's written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now, a really good Bible study technique for you is that if you see something repeated in a scripture, something reworded or repeated word for word, it's a sure sign it's really important. And what happens here is Jesus continues saying the same thing again. He says in verse 9 of chapter 7, you have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. So it's sort of like if you were reading that in your own time at home, you should almost highlight it because actually when Jesus said something a second time, uh, the word of God, the the word of, of God himself speaking truth, it's really important. And Jesus goes on to give a concrete example of how the religious leaders have got it wrong. He points out to them uh, the fifth commandment, which is honour your father and your mother. And he talks to them about this practice that the religious leaders and these Jewish leaders have set up, which Jesus tells them and and, um, addresses to them that that is, is actually going against the big picture of God's law in the Old Testament as laid out to the Jewish people of Israel. Now, the fifth commandment, as you might know, is honour your father and mother. And these were the laws, remember, given to Moses, and we read them in Exodus 20. And um, part of this law, or part of this obligation on God's people, Israel, was to take care of their parents, of one's parents. Now... A number of you in this church community have are at a stage in life where you're taking care of your parents and, and you know, we share and we talk about matters of, you know, of care and responsibility and sometimes that's a joyful privilege and sometimes it can feel like uh, a very hard thing and a thing that is, is taxing and exhausting. But in the Jewish tradition, um, this was seen as part and parcel of being God's people, very much part and parcels, caring for your mother and your father, um, honouring them, but in old age, caring for their financial and physical needs, for sure. But the Jewish people had added on to this law, and they've added on something, and the name of it is Korban, and this literally means dedicated to God. And so they've added on to this law and said, but you can also you know, say all of your money, using this loophole law called Colban, is set aside for the temple. And that means you're no longer required to help out your mother or your father. Um, All the money that you have now goes to the temple. And so they've added on to the laws given to God's people, Israel. And Jesus here, in this um, very controversial, it must have been so tense, this... this, um, This interaction says, you have missed the point. You've made your human traditions more important than God's law. And by doing so, you are missing the big picture of what God's laws were all about. They were all about loving God and loving neighbour, loving one another. And Israel's laws, as you probably know if you've read any of the Old Testament very much emphasised and looked out for those who were on the outside, the orphan, the widow, the, um, the, the person who was the alien, the outsider in society. And elderly parents would for sure come into that category of being vulnerable. And so Jesus has this rebuke here in Mark 7. And I wonder, a question for us to consider today is, where have we missed the big point of Scripture? Where have we perhaps gotten distracted by one thing or zeroed in on one thing or or maybe added on to Scripture our own understandings? Or maybe another question what traditions have we put on a pedestal instead of putting Jesus on the pedestal? Now, one of the things I love about this church community and Churches of Christ as a movement is there so much flexibility that's allowed in, in the way that we serve God, in the way that we worship together. You can visit our church and maybe the next Church of Christ north from here is Footscray and you might find different expressions of worship. And I love that. I love that about the movement that I'm a part of, the movement that we're a part of. Um, one of the whole big DNA pieces of Churches of Christ is that we're supposed to be adaptive so that we can articulate the gospel to the culture around us, which means there's, there's some movement given. There, there's no rigidity around church has to look like this or this is the way you're meant to speak out the good news of Jesus to your neighbourhood. It's actually there's flexibility given and I love that. But there can be still things that we elevate or still things that become really a bit ritualistic, still things that that become more important to us sometimes than Jesus himself. Um, There might be things that you feel more or less comfortable about on our Sunday gatherings, things during the week that you may be more or less gravitating towards. So just something to think about as we listen to your scripture today. Um, in what ways uh, perhaps do we miss the big point as the religious leaders had? And what traditions have we put on a pedestal? Perhaps there's something that God's speaking to you about today. Now, this past week, I went to the doctor and I had my flu vaccination. And before I had um, the vaccination itself, my doctor took me into a room, put me on a really high tech scales, and stood me on the scales, and straight away, came a beep and a receipt out of the machine. And my doctor gave me this receipt and it was basically a BMI result within two seconds of standing on this machine. So um, if you guys don't know, that's... What is it? Body mass index? Any, yeah, we've got lots of doctors in the room, actually. Um, but basically, it was a health check. And, um, and when I was thinking about today's scripture, I thought, that's kind of what Jesus is. And, and the Gospel of Mark is. It's a health check for us. And I was forced to look at that piece of paper and think, oh, that's what my body is currently. There was a ma- muscle mass. There was all kinds of readings about my body. And I found out that my body is apparently at the age of 21. So I thought that was sort of a compliment. Maybe not as well. Maybe the doctor was giving me a hint about my maturity levels. I'm not sure. But um, the, the piece of paper obviously you know, comes up with some different things about your weight, your height and so on. But today's scripture is a bit like a health check because actually in this scripture, Jesus is speaking to us about some of the points in which um, perhaps we can review how we're tracking in our spirituality, how we're going with following Jesus um, as he calls us to. Jesus goes on in this scripture in verse 14, 15, if you're following along, he uses a parable. He calls the crowd and says, "'All you who listen.'" And try to understand. And hey, isn't that us? We're trying to understand. I love that. Because it invites us to be, be, be people who try. And I hope I'm someone who tries. I know we are a, together a body that's really trying to understand God's word. Jesus says, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you or makes you impure. You are defiled or made impure by what comes from your Heart. Heart. And we were just teaching Zoe this week, where is your heart? You know, she can now put her hand on her her heart, which is really cool. But what Jesus is getting at here is that what makes a person clean or, or pure is not their rituals or their ceremony or the food they eat or do not eat, but their posture before God, their heart, their intentions, their motivations, their thoughts. And, hey, aren't all these things so unseen so often to other people? If you really, um, you know, you think about maybe getting that health check on your heart that I got, imagine if it was a health check on your heart. It wouldn't be something that I'd want to show everybody. (laughs) I'm not sure about you. But the the intentions, the thoughts, the motivations, aren't they so much often a secret thing for us? And, And it's a vulnerable place, isn't it, to think about, well, what are the intentions I have? What are the motivations I have? But this scripture is good news for us as we sit in that place of vulnerability because the religious leaders, Jesus says, were putting this sacrifice and and this ritual over a posture of surrender, a posture of surrender to Yahweh, to God, to the living God. They had been keeping their traditions perfectly, and if it was in 2018, they would have been doing their Bible reading plan. They probably would have been ahead up to July or August by now if they'd been doing Bible in a year. Um, and and yet yeah, Jesus is speaking to the crowds now, not the religious leaders. He's moved on to the crowds. And he says, it's what's in your heart that matters the most. After Jesus addresses the crowds, as we see other times in Mark, Jesus then has this audience with just the disciples. And the disciples get their own kind of backstage pass, if you like, a couple of times in Mark already with Jesus. They get this close proximity. And when I say that and describe that, you're probably thinking, wouldn't that have been amazing to have that close, intimate time to see Jesus, to listen to him, to ask him all the curly questions? But here in Mark 7, it's not the most friendly backstage pass because Jesus has some not-so-flattering words that he speaks to the disciples, and I'm going to share them with you. Mark tells us in verse 17 that after Jesus left the crowd and entered the house, like I said, this backstage intimate pass, his disciples asked him about this parable, the one about the heart and about what's inside and what's outside. And Jesus says, and the NIV tells us, "'Are you so dull?' Are you so dull, he asked. And the message version, are you being willfully stupid? <laughs> I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, it's so good. The disciples, once again, are so slow. But church, doesn't that invite us into the story? People like us who, who don't get it the first time, who fail, who fall over, who read God's word, and then, like James says, you know, as someone that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he even looked like. And Jesus says, don't you see, and he's repeating what he's just taught the crowds, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? It doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. And Mark records this you know, parenthetical in brackets in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Jesus went on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And Jesus then gives this list sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Like I said, it's like a heart check, isn't it? And uh, as we read this passage, it's easy to sink into oh my goodness, I just feel awful about myself. <laughs> But actually, this passage is good news. Now, I want to show you a little uh, image I found this week. Next slide. Can you help me, John? And um, I'm going to read it to you because it's quite small. This is something I found on Twitter. There's seven deadly social media. So this will speak to some of us more than others. So top left, lust, Tinder. Top right, gluttony, Yelp. Anybody out there? use Yelp or Zomato or, you know, you, what else do we use these say You Foods or um, Uber, Eats. Uber Eats, thank you. I've got a my head, thanks, Lauren. Okay, and then Greed, LinkedIn. Anybody on LinkedIn here? Yeah. Well, you all know who each other are because you're on LinkedIn. Floth, Netflix. Ooh, that's a hard one to hear. Roth, Twitter. Interesting. Envy, Facebook. I've been cutting down my Facebook lately. It's certainly a place to feel envious and bottom right cry Instagram. And so many of these things up here are what Jesus actually names in in this teaching, this backstage intimate teaching with his disciples. And if Jesus' point hadn't already been one that that was criticized, that was you know a criticism enough. Um, of um, Of what was going on with first the legislators and then the crowds, Jesus really spells it out here. He says, what makes us impure is not whether we 're following the right food or purity laws. what makes us impure is within our heart, and these are the kinds of things that he was addressing. It sounds heart hitting doesn 't it? It sounds like a real rebuke it sounds like something that would make us feel oh goodness, you know, how can I ever get on straight and narrow here? But church, this scripture and the gospel of Mark and the word of God is good news when we're in that place of realising our brokenness. Because what Jesus is pointing to here, and I remember being in a class on the gospel of Mark with one of the kind of world-known people who writes on Mark and written the the NIV commentary on Mark, he said... You know, this is good news because what Jesus is pointing to is not that a law or a ritual or a ritual or sorry, a ceremony or a tradition is the answer. Jesus is saying, "I am the answer." He's saying, "I am the cure to all the problems of the human heart." And, and you could say that in the Old Testament. Um, remember the law in Leviticus. You know, be holy, for I am holy. You could say that Old Testament, the big picture of the Old Testament, the big message we hear is obey the law, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. But if that was the the big counter, big meta picture of the Old Testament, the big picture of the New Testament is Jesus, come follow, Jesus says, come follow me, be cleansed by me, I will make you pure. And, and Jesus is the one who we look to with all of these things that we struggle with in our lives. Because we know, church, Jesus was on his way here in Mark 7, very, very getting very, very close to the Passion Week. Mark 8 to 16 is a narrative, a very long narrative of seven days before Jesus' death. And Jesus' call, remember, was follow me. And as the disciples and the crowds and indeed the religious leaders follow the journey of Jesus, and they're going to, they will see that the journey of Jesus ends on a cross. And Jesus' life ends with the most ultimate sacrifice. Talk about ritual, talk about ceremony. Jesus trumps all of that a million times because he gives his life in the most extravagant act of generosity. To make us clean. And this invitation to be made clean, to be made pure by Jesus, extends to all. It extends to every single person. It's not just for the Jewish people who were historically the people of God, the chosen nation that God chose to be his light to all the other nations in Old Testament narrative. Mark includes a saying here in verse 19, and, and we looked at this, remember, last week in our Q&A, one of the questions was, you know, is every food okay for us to eat? And I said, absolutely. Jesus has made all foods clean, and that's here in, in Mark 7:19 in our scripture today. Because it's no longer about food, it's about faith. It's about faith. And so I can be vegetarian, Charlie can be the biggest meat eater that he likes to be, and we can both be included in Christ because it's about faith. It's not about laws and ceremony and and ritual and doing um, the right thing to be right with God ourselves. It's about following Jesus who makes us right with God. And uh, this scripture that we've heard today gets us ready for next week. And Locke is going to be preaching next week. It's going to be his final message to us in this season. But in next week's scripture, and I encourage you, church, get into Mark 7 this week. It's an amazing narrative of Jesus ministering to a Gentile woman. It's an extravagant story. Um, Jesus is going to minister to a woman who was seen as completely unclean by the standards of Judaism, which we have been speaking about today. But Jesus is saying, it's not about your purity, it's about how I'm going to make you pure. And can we all just breathe a sigh of relief? Because isn't isn't it a relief to our... To our awareness that we are broken. And whether or not we, you know, we're in an awareness, heightened awareness at the moment, yeah, I am broken, or you know, I'm not all just got it together. We know we are, when we really stop and think about it, we know we're not whole. And yet, Jesus in this passage, Jesus in his ministry, he speaks this message. It's like writing it in the sky on Easter Day when we see cross equals love in the sky on Easter Day, which lots of churches are now skywriting, which is awesome. But it's like seeing in the sky, I will make you clean. I will make you clean. And this story speaks to us today. It speaks of an invitation Jesus makes to us, to you, to come and be made clean. To bring our hearts, to bring your heart. Hearts which we know are broken by the power of sin. Hearts we know that can be selfish and impure and all those things that were just up before on that illustration. And Jesus says, come with all that stuff, all that baggage, and I will give you a new heart. I'm going to make you clean. Isn't that just the best offer of a total fresh start? But as well as extravagant invitation, I believe Jesus' words to us should offer a challenge for us to take away into our week because we too can be like the religious leaders. We can sometimes be more religious than relational and you will know what that looks like for you. What are the things that you, that you sometimes feel you need to put above that loving God and loving one another, that rule of God that he's given us? What about being exclusive? Do you struggle with being exclusive? Do we struggle with that as a church sometimes? When someone new comes in and we think, oh, they're a bit different to what I'm like. Um, We can all struggle with that. But God's call is for us to be radically invitational for every person who steps into this church. And we've had so many people that are new lately. It's been awesome to, to feel radically invited, radically enfolded into this church family and we've got such a healthy culture in this church and and people that come so often comment on that but wouldn't it be great every person comes they just feel at home straight away Um, and that's already happening which is awesome thank you god so church where have we been focused on being religious rather than relational maybe exclusive rather than invitational maybe we've thought we need to make ourselves righteous instead of being made right with god through christ And I wonder who is the next person, the couple, the family or all of those things who God wants to welcome into this church family, who God wants to welcome into your life. Maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone you've met on the train. They may be so different from you, but God wants you to invite them into your life. Now, I don't know how many of you shop at Coles Williamstown, but this week was a big week at Coles Williamstown because they introduced their ban on single-use plastic bags. And they've been encouraging all week, everyone, you've got to bring in your green bags, you know, buy our groovy new green bag at $3 or whatever. But the goal is to stop producing and needing to produce single-use plastic bags, you know, the grey plastic bags that we all have been using, because they so often end up in oceans and rivers and so on. But while they've taken out these single-use shopping bags completely from their store, they've started selling these $0.15 heavy-duty white kind of shopping bags. And if you forget your bags, you can buy the $0.15 bags. Now, no judgment, please, Um, felt, if you have been the one that's already bought 15 cent bags. I know that I'm going to forget my bags at different times and need to to buy the bag that's there. But the point is, Coles continuing to sell the 15 cent bags doesn't fully deal with the problem of bags ending up in our rivers and oceans, does it? The problem of plastic ending up in oceans and rivers and waterways is going to be only dealt with if Australia as a culture and a society eradicates plastics from our general diet of consuming and buying and retail. And what Jesus is warning the religious leaders and the crowds and the disciples to grasp here in Mark 7 is that if the problem is the human heart, The answer and the only answer is Jesus. The only answer is Jesus. The answer is not ritual or rules or effort or striving. The answer is Jesus. It's only Jesus who we obey. It's not the extra things that we add on to scripture. And we do sometimes add things on to scripture. It's only Jesus who we obey. It's only Jesus who makes us holy through the cross of Calvary, which makes us clean again. Um, it's only Jesus who transforms our heart and makes it new again and regenerates our heart. And it's only through Jesus that we encounter the living God, not through any of our own man-made efforts. So just want to offer three really practical tips as we close today's teaching time. How can we not fall into the traps of the disciples, of the Pharisees, um, that that Jesus is really confronting and facing head on in this passage in Mark 7? First one, it's probably not going to surprise you, but just a reminder, (laughs) let's be a church and a community who read the Word of God. Before you pick up anything else, before you you go to your devotional book or go to your other book or open that podcast app, Go to the Bible. Read the revelation of God himself, um, even before you pick up anything else. If you need tips somewhere to start, I love to chat about that. Lockie loves to talk about getting into Bible plans or, or whatever it is that helps you connect with the Word of God. A number of people in the church actually have actually been listening a lot to the Word um, using Version app. So if you want to get into listening to the Bible, there's a number of people in the church who could talk to you about that. Um, so Bible reading. Two, Confession. Keep a humble heart before God. And, and how do we do this? Well, one of the ways that, that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer is to confess our sins. Forgive us our sins. He teaches us to pray. So, church, let's be a church of, of confession, where we practise this, and we do this very often as part of communion and our celebration of communion the Lord's Supper. If you confess your sins regularly and take time to do that, I've found, in my experience, it keeps a humble humbleness, humility about your heart and prevents kind of an arrogance or a, yeah, I already know you forgive my sins. You know, sometimes we get complacent about that. So confession. So Bible reading, confession. And number three, and there's a slide to go with this one, consume in a kingdom posture. So there's this beautiful um, illustration called the Wisdom Pyramid, which isn't from the Bible, but Brett McCracken um, Made this beautiful pyramid. Have you guys have seen a food pyramid before? I'm sure you have. <laughs> this is a fantastic tool. I'm going to link to it in this week's Really Church News. But basically, the bottom there, the big thing that we want to be consuming, eating up day to day, the Bible. And then it goes up from there. Church, tradition, rhythm, spiritual practices, you guys know we talk a lot about that as a church. So that's the yellow one. Um, And these are things of theology time-tested, it's not slashing the pan, new ideas about Jesus, it's actually the things that church um, history has shown to be true, okay? The, the middle one, nature and beauty, I love this one, it talks about enjoying art, it talks about getting outside, gratitude, love that one. Books, get into Roger Duff's beautiful books today, the red one. It says more old books than new. That's a really interesting point. Um, second to the top, the internet. Um, Google only as needed. Some of us, that's a good tip. And the top one, social media. It talks about using social media sparingly. Learn to live without, you know, turning off your Facebook, turning off all your notifications. Do that. That's such a good one. So, just want to encourage us, church, let's consume well the media that is available to us. Let's think deeply about the things that we pop into our hearts and minds and heads and hearts. Um, and let's be considered about the things that we consume in, a daily, um, in, a, in our daily lives. So Bible reading, confession, and being a kingdom-postured consumer of media and other sources of, um, of influence over our lives. All right, I've spoken enough. Let's pray and let's really just say, God, this week, would you just take the incredible and extravagant truth of your holy word here from Mark 7 and by your spirit this week, God, would you embed it into our hearts, embed it into our lifestyles, into our practices, into our routines. May All of the truth of what you've spoken through this scripture today, God, just take root in our lives. God, may we be people who are posture towards you in thanksgiving and praise for all you've done. God, would you just speak to every heart today, perhaps, who's been struggling with this, you know, interplay between effort and trying and just receiving the grace of God, would you speak again and afresh the good news of Jesus, who has made us pure, who has made us clean? God, would you help us this week to come back to your word, to come back to scripture? And Holy Spirit, would you motivate us to that end? Help us, Jesus, to receive again today that incredible Truth that the answer is you. The answer is always you. The answer is not you know, to add things on or to try harder, but to train harder, to, to get into the practices of prayer and scripture reading and, and withdrawing from our phones and all the things that are going to get in the way. Jesus, would you help us just to, to withdraw and, and press the pause button on those. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thanks for what you're doing in our church at the moment. Thanks that your spirit is alive and that people's lives are being changed and continually changed by you, Jesus, and only you. Thank you. And we just, each of us, posture our hearts again towards you and say whatever the week's been, wherever our hearts have been, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to follow the ways of Jesus and be more like you, Jesus, in our lives. And we just thank you that your scripture speaks such an invitation to us. Yeah, even though the disciples didn't get it and were slow, we too can feel like that. But Jesus, you are patient with us and you invite us every day to keep following you. And we just thank you that that is such an incredible invitation. and we say yes to that again today? In your name we all pray. Amen. Kate's going to lead us now in a time of prayer as we continue that cluster of prayer. We praying for our community and for one another. Thank you, Kate.